The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, where we're working hard week in and week out. Come awful markets, great markets, pandemics, elections, it doesn't matter. We're always here looking to give you the information and inspiration you need to start or grow your own real estate investing business. And today we're talking to... Someone who is a bit of a rare bird, a person who just started out as a regular old residential single family new investor person and very quickly made the transition into much bigger and uh, less less residential type properties like apartment buildings and senior living facilities and shopping malls and hotels and that's not usually the story you hear the story you hear is usually uh somebody got together with a bunch of partners who also used to work in great big commercial firms and decided to put together a hedge fund and raise millions of dollars to go out and do this sort of stuff so this is more like what all y'all could do if you took the same steps as my guest today Mr. Mark Hutton, who is the uh, head of the Apartment Buyers Focus Group here at the Greater Cincinnati Real Estate Investors Association. And he is joining us by phone from his house where it's nice and safe. Mark, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Well, thank you very much, Vina. I'm very happy to be here. And I am very happy to have you here because I, I like doing these interviews with, you know, we, there's there's always the stuff that we can do that people want to hear over and over again. Like, how do I wholesale properties and how do I get repairs done cheaper and how, you know, the, like the skill stuff. But then there's the, then there's the big old, big strategic stuff, right? Like, how do I plan my... How do I plan my career to constantly be moving forward and shedding shedding stuff that doesn't serve me anymore and uh, ending up where I want to be? And that's that's sort of what you're doing today. I should tell listeners that tomorrow you're giving the uh, main session at the Cincinnati RIA meeting, and it is going to be much more tactically focused. It's going to be more apartments Here's why you should buy them. Here's what's going to happen if you do buy them. Here's how you find them. Here's how you finance them. All of that sort of stuff. So listeners who are like, oh, I was hoping he would tell me how do I find these deals? Yeah, that's tomorrow night. And you're welcome to come to that too. 
and it doesn't matter where you are in the country since it's online, just like you're probably listening to the show right now, but you do need to go grab a a, a registration link at CincinnatiRIA.com, CincinnatiREIA.com. All of Cincinnati RIA's main meetings are free to members and first-time guests. If you are coming back for a second time, well, then I don't understand why you're not a member because you're coming back for a second time because you saw how good it was the first time. So probably nobody going to CincinnatiRIA.com would need to pay that meeting fee. Um, so, Mark, I want to start with what 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 this arc looked like for you, like um, timeline. What did you do before you started in real estate investing? What were the first things you did? Then what did you do? Then what did you do? And bring us up to date today. Okay. Well, happy to do that. Um, so my background is actually in engineering. I'm a mechanical engineer out of Purdue. And... Um, I most of my career was in automotive and aerospace and other related um, areas and um, was trying to figure out, as many people probably on this uh, show are as well, trying to figure out how to get out of the rat race and how to uh, spend time a little more like I would like to spend time versus how my boss would like me to spend my time. And um, so start, had been eyeing uh, real estate for many years had bought the midnight courses and all kind of crazy <laughs> stuff for years and years and never did a darn thing with it. Um, fast forward to 09, um, got divorced, had a house that wouldn't sell. Gosh, imagine that, a house that wouldn't sell in 09. Um, and so I ended up renting that. So I was a reluctant landlord. Um, that gave me a little bit of a taste of it, although my tenants, uh, my residents there, eventually bought that house from me. Uh, but I still wanted to get involved in that. And that's really the impetus of me getting started in real estate was taking the proceeds from that. Um, I put a whopping $2,800 down on a HUD home, uh, HUD repo home in, um, 2014. And, uh, that was our first, uh, single family home that, um, worked quite a bit on. Mm-hmm. And, uh, actually that, uh, I met my now wife uh, about the time, so we did a lot of our dating was in rehabbing that house, <laughs> and uh, it took us way longer than we should than it should have. It took us over a year. We didn't know what the heck we were doing, but we were having fun and we were learning. Um, and uh, from there, another house um, that we bought from a turnkey broker, which we also didn't know what that really was. Uh, it was just supposed to buy it, and it, it works. Um, then. Um, it's funny when you were spelling, uh, Rhea earlier for the website, uh, that was the time I didn't know what Rhea was and couldn't spell it. <laughs> and I uh, was introduced to Rhea, um, through a fellow investor up in Dayton and hard money lender, Darren Carey. And Darren says, you really need to get to a Rhea. And this is one of his personal meetups that I'd met him at. And, uh, like, you know, Hey, what's a Rhea? So, uh, fast forward a month or so after that joined RIA in um, early 2015. Uh, we had three houses at the time. And uh, we started learning all the things we had done wrong and all the, you know a couple of things we'd done right and really started um, just jumping in, really got involved in RIA as best we could, went to a ton of the focus groups um, and 
you know, just really tried to learn as many things as we could to try to figure out what it is we wanted to do when we grew up. And, uh, oh, about that time I got laid off, too. <laughs> Convenience. Um, Hashtag blessings. Convenient. <laughs> Indeed. I mean, I, I can snicker about it now and, and often do because, frankly, it scared the crap out of me. Uh, but, um, you know, in hindsight, absolutely the best thing that ever happened. Um, Janet was still working. Uh, I'm not quite sure if we were engaged at the time yet or not, but uh, we were living together. And so she's like, yeah, we can survive. So why don't you go, go play with real estate? So I jumped in full time in the real estate. And uh, about that time, um, one of, uh, I, I don't recall if it was at RIA or at OREA, the Ohio Real Estate Convention, um, but I met uh, one of my first uh, mentors in the apartment space. And um, after uh, Anthony Char is his name, and after seeing him, um, and then I promptly signed up for the boot camp. And man, I just totally fell in love with that whole concept. Um, that was coupled with some discussions that Jane and I had on, hey, we're going to want to be retiring here in a few years, and what does that look like? And we decided we needed about 78, I think was the number. Now, remember, I'm an engineer. <laughs> uh, 78 single-family houses to have the income, the passive income we wanted um, to get that done. Mm-hmm. Um, we knew it had taken us four years to get three houses. <laughs> and so we figured we weren't going to make it to 140 years old to make that happen. Um, so that's when I first started looking pretty seriously at, gee, how can we, you know, accelerate this a little bit or maybe a lot uh, with the apartments? And then in, cu- in step Anthony, timing, you know, just worked out perfectly and uh, took his boot camp. Then Janet got laid off. So... Uh, <laughs> Lots wow. of things stacked up. What, but, were you, were you guys in like the blacksmithing industry or something? Like <laughs> that was the that was the hottest economy, you know, in in recent memory. And you both got late. It's almost like the universe was telling you something. <laughs> I, I think so. I think so. I think they said uh, you're not where you should be. Go elsewhere. <laughs> and um, so. Yeah, it's really kind of interesting because as our business has evolved over the last few years, um, we've both stayed unemployed. We both consider ourselves unemployable now um, because uh, we like our bosses. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, frankly, we absolutely love working together on the apartment projects, the other commercial projects we've gotten involved in. Uh, Janet's passion project is residential assisted living. And um, so we've developed and opened uh, an assisted living home here in the Cincinnati metro area. And uh, we're thoroughly loving it. Mm -hmm. All right, uh, Mark, we actually need to take a quick break. And also I'm hearing the phones ringing out in the lobby, which may mean we have some questions coming in from listeners, which I think is a fantastic idea because, guys, you know, this, this really this show is like a group effort. It's me and the guests and also all of you, because I don't know what you want to know. I only know what I want to know. So if you have something you want to know from Mark about commercial properties or the process of getting into them or whatever you want to ask, you give us a call at 877-772-9658. Again, I know that's a lot of sevens. So let me say it again. 877-772-9658. 
or you can send it via email to askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm talking today to Mark Hutton, who is a local investor here to the Cincinnati area, although his investments are not local here to the Cincinnati area. They're all over the place. And he made a he made a very quick transition relative to what most people do from smaller single family type properties that a lot of people get started in to much larger residential properties like apartments and also to things like retail space and adult living facilities. So, you know, senior living facilities and uh, working on a project to buy a hotel right now. And uh, just kind of wanted to talk to him about the, the, the thought process, the learnings that happened during the, that process because I'm guessing there were many and uh, advice for other folks who want to do the same thing. Um, Mark, I've noticed that I do not how that I do not know how this got out into like the the real estate zeitgeist, but I I started noticing it about ten years ago, and it's just gotten more and more the case. People think there's this path through real estate where you have to start out wholesaling and then you have to do some retail deals and then you have to graduate to single family homes and then from there you get to go into apartments etc and that is just so not correct that <laughs> the only the only thing i can think of that could be the reason that that's so i hear that so often is that somebody who's got a financial interest in convincing you you need to learn how to wholesale and retail and do single family homes in order to learn to do apartments must be teaching people that. That's a good point. They may very well have that uh, interest for sure. Mm -hmm. So um, share with us, so fast forward to 2021, share with us just generally what your what your current holdings look like do you still have the single family homes and then what else do you have that you didn't mention yeah so um I, and i'm not sure where the rumor about the hotel came from that's uh, unfortunately incorrect oh uh, but, i'm sorry uh, that came from me is, uh, <laughs> i right. apologize um, um no we still have our single families they're still performing well um and uh, single families in a fourplex, and we had those before we ventured into the apartment space. And I'll be honest, I you know when we when we say we jumped in, and we jumped in small, and we've continually increased from there. And I'm a big fan of doing that because there is, uh, you know, you were talking about like a barrier entry, or you have to do this before that. One thing in the commercial space is. Um, the banks and the, and the financiers out there, they do want to see that you have some experience in doing what you're doing. So the fact that, in, unless you start small, and that's what we did, you know, uh, three and a half years ago, I think we bought our first one. It was a 13-unit property. Um, so very, you know, it was inexpensive property, and um, it was pretty easy to buy, pretty easy to finance, but it was commercial, and that gave us a ton of experience. And we took that into a 25 unit, took that into a 40 unit and kept going from there. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's allowed me to say and me and you know my co-sponsors, my partners, 
the management on the management side say, hey, we were experienced enough to go look at this 100-unit building, to go look at this quarter-million-square-foot shopping mall, to go look at these things, um, and because now we have a track record. And it certainly started small, but we now have a track record of closing deals and making them work. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of a roundabout to, to your question of where we are now. So we are at our highest. We had uh, 262 doors. We've since uh, some of those properties have been sold. Uh, right now, we're at 183 doors. We've got uh, over 300,000 uh, square feet, that is, in uh, commercial space. Um, vast majority of that being that uh, shopping mall I told you about in Pennsylvania. Um, all told, we've um, been involved in just over $16 million in transactions in the last three and a half years. Mm-hmm. You, um, but you we do, still, still you, like our single families. I'm not a, I'm not a hater by any stretch. <laughs> I think you can do it all. <laughs> you, you, you do realize that that's very much accelerated over what most people's residential to commercial career path looks like, right? Like you don't think that everybody starts buying properties and then six years later they've done sixteen million dollars in transactions and also have 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 broken the two hundred doors barrier. No, I don't think that's usual, but um, uh, I I absolutely believe it's doable because uh, again I can barely spell Ria and uh, I could I could reliably spell house uh, back five years ago. So, but we've learned learned a ton. Um, you know, one of the learnings was, again, when we very first started, we both had full-time jobs and we decided, you know, if we're going to scale this thing and do what we want and retire like we would like to retire, um, I'm not going to manage these. So that was a very early decision we made, um, and which is counter to, frankly, to most real estate investors that I know, uh, especially in the single family and the small multi-space, um, because it costs money and it's not cheap. I'd be the first to admit it. Uh, but we've underwritten all of our deals since that decision. We have included property management in the deal. And if the deal didn't work with property management, we didn't do the deal. And um, I'm very, very happy that we made that decision. That's one of the right, correct decisions we made, I think, in my opinion, um, because now I can scale infinitely um, because I can bring in um, third-party property management resources to handle properties, because you're right, they're not all in my back door. Mm-hmm. Some are in Dayton, some are in Cincinnati, some are in Pennsylvania, some are in Florida. Uh, we even have a, a shared venture in Belize. So, yeah, I'm not going down to Belize every week to check on that property. So um, having property management in place has been one of the key things. And that's there's always, there's always certain mindsets that make the difference between somebody being successful in a particular strategy and not. Uh, uh, just for example, I've talked to the uh, some of the folks who are like deep into note buying and they're super excited about note buying partly because it doesn't matter where in the world your note is. You can just, you know, you can sit in Cincinnati and you can buy notes in Iowa. It doesn't matter. They don't recognize that they've got the underlying mindset that the reason it doesn't matter where it is is because it doesn't matter if I ever lay eyes on it. And that's a that's a really hard mindset for somebody who's always owned single family homes, always near their house to 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 get 
It's hard for them to get that mindset. I want to see what I'm buying, right? And you just said one that is true of everybody who actually makes the leap from single families to apartments and I assume also retail, things like that, which is I don't have to manage it like at all. <laughs> like there's, there's competent people who can who can do that and then I have to manage them, but I don't have to manage the property. And I, I, I you, you've been leading the apartment focus group now for Cincinnati area for several years. Do you ever have problems getting people to actually believe that, not just hear it, but believe that I do not in fact have to live in the city where my apartment building is? Well, people are going to believe what they believe. Um, I, uh, and frankly, you know, me personally, I've been burned on a deal. It was a single family deal uh, where I didn't lay eyes on it. Um, it was, wasn't a note, though. It was a house that I bought in Kansas City and uh, through a broker. And that one burned and still singes a bit when I think about it because financially it was a big wreck. Um, but, you know, those are things to learn from. So just because it's not my back door doesn't mean I don't go and see the property. You know, I was uh, earlier this week, I was out in Pennsylvania looking at a property. Now, if we acquire that property, that doesn't mean I have to live in Pennsylvania to keep an eye on it. Uh, all I have to do is stay near my telephone and my laptop and we can manage it. And you're, you're spot on. The, the job then is to manage the local property manager. Um, that role is called asset management. Um, and so we're learning to become better asset managers uh, all the time, always constantly learning. And um, you know, managing that manager, um, providing that manager direction with uh, the way you want the property to go and letting them run with it. And mm-hmm. so it's certainly not completely hands off, but um, it's certainly much more than um, or pardon me, certainly much less than pure hands on. And frankly, whether it's in you know, the apartment focus group um, in Cincinnati or Columbus or the single family folks that I know, you know, frankly, they're not willing to give up uh, a little a level of control or they're not willing to give up that that profit. You mm-hmm. know, if they can earn 400 a month on their single family um, and they'd only earn 300 a month uh, with a property manager, they're not willing to go there. And that's fine. That's what they're comfortable doing. Um, but the, the idea that they'll be able to scale that um, in any reasonable time frame um, probably isn't going to work for them. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can tell you, I'm I'm with control guys. It's tough for me to give up control, but um, that was certainly one of the things I learned early on is, you know, everything isn't going to be perfect the way I would do it if I were running the property, um, but it can be pretty darn good if, if you have a good manager in place and, um, and you keep good tabs on what's going on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. Well, we have a ton of questions building up here in the inbox. So before we go to tackle them, let's go ahead and take a quick break and encourage people again. Uh, If you got a question, this is this next 15 minutes is where we're going to ask them and get them answered by Mark 877-772-9658 or askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today, Mark Hutton, who's going to actually be giving a talk just on why you might want to be buying apartments 
instead of houses and also uh, how they're normally found and ways that they're financed when you don't have a bunch of money and all of that sort of stuff. Tomorrow night at Cincinnati Rhea's main meeting uh, that is at 730 Eastern and you can get a link to join in and learn all about that at CincinnatiRia.com, CincinnatiREIA.com. And I say that out loud and I think, wow, everybody who's like new, 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 and not even thinking about how do I get a house or an apartment right now, but rather what's a deed and how do I find out what properties are worth? Uh, you guys need to come to only, you need to start at six. You need to start at the meeting at 6 p.m. because we are doing a hands-on workshop from six to seven about uh, how to find property values. It, it It's not, if somebody has told you that the way you find a property value is you go online and you use one of those free property websites, you know, the ones I'm talking about, and then you do something like subtract 10% or add 50% or whatever they've told you, they're wrong. It's just wrong. It's incorrect. It does not work. Okay. You actually have to run comps and then you have to look at the comparables and you have to decide which ones are most comparable and you have to make adjustments because no two houses usually are exactly comparable. And that's the workshop we're doing tomorrow night. Uh, in order to do the hands-on part of it, which we hope you will do, you're going to need to download a link for a free trial to a uh, comping service. And that link to do that download is also at CincinnatiRia.com. It is under the uh, meeting headline. So you go to the front page. It says, here's our next meeting. Click here. If you click there, you will see both the registration for the meeting and the link to get the free seven-day trial to the uh, comping system that we're going to be using. And I think if you're new and you can't find the value of houses, you might maybe want to make some time to do that tomorrow night at 6. Oh, Mark, so many questions from listeners here. And the first one is from Sharmetta, who says, commercial real estate agents don't like working with newbies. <laughs> so... <laughs> So I've been looking. For <laughs> <laughs> Maybe she cut straight to the chase there. She says she did indeed. <laughs> I've been looking for off-market, I assume, apartment deals on my own, which seems to take a little longer. Is there a better way? Uh, well, there there's certainly plenty of ways to to find deals. Um, I'm still of the opinion that working with your local brokers is probably one of the best. Their sole job is to find deals um, and to find off-market deals and put them on the market. And they only make money when they sell a property. So one thing to keep in mind, if they're being difficult, the buyer is the one who's in control because with no buyers, they have no job, they have no commission, and they're not bringing steak home to mommy or daddy, whichever is home. So, um, it does take a little bit of time to build some credibility. Um, there's brokers here in the Cincinnati area now that know me. I could give them a call and say, hey, what's up? Um, but I've also closed deals in the area. So, you know, over time, and it's certainly taken time, it takes time to build that credibility. Um, part of the things you can do to, to build that is learn the lingo, learn the language. Maybe you learn that from, from books or podcasts or listen to other folks who are doing 
syndications or partnerships and and working in the asset class that you're interested in. I'm assuming apartments, but it could be self-storage, which has its own language, or hotels, as Vina mentioned, or other kinds of things. But learn the lingo so that when you talk with them, um, you can say, hey, I'm interested in property ABC. I'd love to see the, the T12 and the rent roll. Well, you, you need to know, understand what that is and be able to speak to it confidently. That's going to instill uh, confidence uh, of the broker in you. And the more you work with them, the more they're going to understand that you're really in the market. Uh, the other way you can really help a broker help you is to be very clear with what it is you're looking for. Don't tell them, call them up, hey, I'm looking for all the off-market apartments you've got. You're probably going to get a click, and that's about <laughs> it. But if you tell them, say, you know what, I'm new, I'm learning the business, here's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for something between 8 and 15 units. I'm looking for uh, Class B or Class C apartments and neighborhoods. I'm looking for primarily one-bedrooms or two-bedrooms. You know, Tell them what you're looking for. Show them that you have um, enough of an idea in mind of what you're really looking for so that when they find that thing, you're the one they're going to call because you're the best buyer for that deal. So those are a few ideas I have on how to build your credibility with brokers. And um, we're going to talk a lot more about how to uh, find deals, things like that, uh, in uh, my talk tomorrow at the Cincinnati RIA, um, and, uh, which you hope, hopefully you will join, and, um, or also join you know, your local RIA as well. Yes, um, and I know Charmette is going to be there, and so is Brava, who asked the next question, which we're, uh, Brava, I see that you have four questions here, but I'm only actually going to ask one and a half of them, <laughs> because... <laughs> Can't wait for that half. <laughs> because, well, this is, the, well, I, I know for sure you're going to talk tomorrow about raising capital, Right. Yes. Mark. Okay. Absolutely. So, so we can we can skip that one because you've got you only have like one minute to answer it tonight, and I assume you're going to spend many more minutes on it than that tomorrow. Um, his other two questions, though, are kind of unique. Do you think that flipping commercial real estate is possible? And I think he's talking about wholesale flipping. I think he's talking about like put it under contract, sell the contract. Yeah, uh, absolutely, it is. So people flip commercial property all the time. I just looked at. Uh, property last week where someone had purchased a foreclosed property. They purchased a bunch of them. Um, somebody way above my pay grade, I promise you, they'd bought, uh, you know, three or 400 doors worth of apartments um, at steep discounts. Um, they kept the cherries and they were throwing out the pits, if you will. Um, so they were, what they were doing is they were simply, they'd owned them not even a month and they had them back on the market just to make a quick buck. So that happens whether it's commercial or in residential. Um, the other way people are flipping commercial is to buy a, um, a distressed property like our 25 unit was up in Dayton and um, putting some money into it, putting some time into it, getting the uh, occupation up, uh, occupancy that is up, getting the vacancy down, raising up the value through forced appreciation, which you'll learn all about uh, tomorrow, um, and then refinancing it or then selling it uh, at much increased value and making your money that way. Mm -hmm. So they, uh, 
long answer to a short question, I guess. So there's a there's an equivalent of wholesaling, which is I didn't do anything to the property. I just made such a good deal I can mark it up to the next guy. Yeah, I would consider that more like wholesaling. But there is wholesaling where you can find a you know, um, a commercial property and say, hey, I and get it under a contract and sell the contract exactly like you can wholesale a residential house. Um, you you can absolutely do that. And then the and then the thing you described with your twenty five unit is the equivalent of like retailing. I bought it fixed, correct, it and resold it at a higher price. And then of course holding. Now his other question is, uh, what about like like do you like A B C D? We we call we call the, the apartment buyers are awful talk about oh it's an A neighborhood it's a D neighborhood it's a B neighborhood it's a C neighborhood, and what that describes is sort of the you know is it a high rent low crime area or is it a lower rent higher crime area where do you like to be with your well, apartments? Yeah, no, we typically stay in the B and C area. Um, I refuse to go to a D area. I don't want drugs. I don't want violence. I don't want crime. I don't want prostitutes at the front door. Um, that's not something I do. And in fact, the properties I looked at that, that week, uh, were that kind of property. So that took me about 10 minutes. I'm like, I'm out. Um, but when you go to an area, sometimes you don't know. And this was even an area in Cincinnati that I didn't know well. Um, you know, I learned that when I was there. Um, so, um, but yeah, the ABCD, I typically stick in the B and C. I don't go to the A's. A, uh, number one, because they're much, much more expensive. Um, that's not the primary reason, but frankly, in a downturn like many of us think we're headed toward and a lot of signs we're already in, the A properties get hurt, hit first. Those are the highest rents. Um, those rents start taking a hit like they are now. Uh, those rents are already tra- uh, starting to decrease. Uh, their occupancy is, de- is declining as well. Whereas the B and C is more the meat potatoes, the, the C class is more working class type properties. Uh, those tend to fare uh, better in downturns. They do great in upturns. They do better in downturns than the other categories. Um, and they're reasonably priced uh, with reasonable cap rates, which I can't get into at all. Um, so that's where I'm at, Bs and Cs. Mm-hmm. Okay. Gina, uh, who you know well from Northern Kentucky, um, says, how long did it take you to learn the new strategies? In other words, when you transition from single family homes to commercial apartment units, what, what length of time did it take for you to say, okay, now I'm confident enough to go out and try it, and now I'm confident enough to actually do it? Uh, well, hello, Miss Gina. Uh, um yeah, it's an excellent question. You know, when I told you that I didn't know much about apartments, although that, that they looked kind of appealing, and then I took a course. It was a four-day boot camp, and coming out of that course, uh, there was some con- continued work with the team that we had been created during that camp, and we worked together for months and months. Frankly, um, you know, we started finding, prop- looking at properties, looking at markets, figuring out, you know, evaluating a ton of properties trying to figure out, hey, can we make this work or is this a dud? Um, so we had, you know, we got to the point and got confident enough where we had some offers on properties and we never quite made them happen. Some I still kick myself today for not, uh, you know, bridging that last $20,000 gap or whatever it was uh, where we were too stubborn and, and too inexperienced to know it was a smoking deal either way. Um, uh, in actuality, uh, it took a full year 
for us, and we looked at a ton of properties until we actually pulled the trigger on that first 13-unit deal. Um, and uh, it was simply the five of us who were still the leftovers of that char group, um, including my now wife, Janet. Um, the five of us pooled our money together and our credit together, and we went and bought it. And uh, it was so that took a, a full year. Well, I think that answers Gina's second question, which was, do you own the multis ent- entirely yourselves or did you syndicate? So uh, the the question is no. I don't own any of them myself, personally. Um, all of the properties are owned in single entity LLCs for protection, for asset protection. Um, but And then all of the LLCs are either owned by partnerships of uh, groups of people or by uh, syndication of people. And the, the, the distinction there, can't get too much into it, going into it a lot tomorrow, but the distinction there is partnerships is just a group of people all working together, all share everything, uh, and they pool their money and they go get it. A syndication is where you have passive investors that don't want to be involved in the day-to-day, but still want to invest in your deals. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's uh, another subject for another time. Mm-hmm. But, uh-huh. uh, but no, I don't own any of them outright. Uh, nor do I own, um, you know, 100% of any of them. Wonderful. We need to take one more quick break, after which we will come back and answer some more questions, which is to say Mark will answer some more questions from you guys about apartments and commercial properties. You can, uh, at this point, probably not call in, probably send any last-minute questions to asbina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Mina Jones-Cox, and I'm talking today to Mark Hutton. And uh, what we've been doing uh, for the last, I don't know, half hour is mostly answering listener questions, which, by by the way, y'all know you can send those questions in any time during the week, not just Wednesday from 5 to 6. They just won't get answered until Wednesday from 5 to 6. But uh, if you wake up in the middle of the night, you're like, I've got this burning real estate question that I've got to get down on paper. You can always send it to asfeen at gmail.com and then it comes in there and I store it in a radio show question file and then uh, next time we have a Q&A day or a guest who will know how to answer it, we ask it. So you can always do that, asfeen at gmail.com. So, um... Mark, I have a question uh, going back to the idea of just like how how does someone who wants to do what you do think about doing that <laughs> and especially thinking about doing it quickly? Can you talk about what skills maybe they transferred from your private job? Maybe they're ones that you've just intentionally built while you were building the real estate business have served you really well in being able to do all the pieces that need to be done to buy commercial properties? Yeah, sure. Um, I think that, uh, and it's not just for the apartments, it's for you know the assisted living and other stuff as well. Uh, I think really it's, it's two things. It's, it's passion for what you're doing and tenacity to, to get through all the sticky hard stuff. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you do need a baseline of learning, certainly, um, that's how I got my start. I still learning every single day. Most of it, frankly, is OJT on the job training, um, but still um, learning and trying to improve all the time. Um, you know, the passion comes from um, in, in the apartment space, 
is, you know, frankly, being a great um, housing provider. Um, and, you know, our properties I'm very proud of and, and our residents are proud to live there. And, you know, that's important to me. It's important to me not to just squeak every last penny out of that uh, property at the expense of not fixing the cracked window and not fixing the broken shutter. Um, that's not how I want to run things. So, you know, it is, it's, it's a passion as well as, you know, I want to do, I want to do this, but I want to do it right. And, uh, you know, keeping that an eye on that. And then the tenacity, um, you know, again, most people fall out. You know, I told you it took me a, a year before we closed on our very first apartment. Most people would have died out, in, and frankly, most did uh, in that first class I took. I think probably 90% of them were died out in the first month or month and a half maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, out of all the people I kept up with, I think maybe two people are doing this out of that first class from about 40 folks. Um, I'm one of them. Um, and, um, and again, the five that are still our group, you know, one of those is still one of my partners today, here uh, four or five years later. So, um, you know, tenacity, because it's not going to be easy, but learning something new never is. And that's something that uh, being in a, uh, a sales and engineering career, I was always having to learn new things and figure out new things. I think that's where um, I earned some of my tenacity from is, um, you know, going through those trials and tribulations. And so it helps knowing that you know, you're going forward, you're doing a good thing, and you're going to make some money as well. And so tenacity can help you get through any obstacle you're going to run into. Mm-hmm. A lot of people look at folks like you and, you know, the stories are always different when you're living it than when you're outside of it watching it. Outside watching it, you look like a duck just gliding across the water. <laughs> I'm guessing underneath. But you're not seeing the, the feet struggling <laughs> furiously under the water, right? I'm guessing, yes, I'm guessing underneath you look like a duck <laughs> with, with feet turning wildly. Um, but a lot of people will look at, look at somebody like you who, you know, they'd say, man, he was a huge success story. He went from, you know, I first knew him, he didn't even own a house, and now he's got all these apartments. And the... I, I I distracted myself so much with my great duck analogy that I forgot the point that I <laughs> that I was trying to make at the end of this. Um, the uh, the uh, I'm just going to move on and come back to it because I literally I have forgotten my own point on live radio. It would be fine if you and I were on the phone and I'd just be like, oh, never mind, Mark. I can't. Let's talk about something else. But I'm on live radio and I can't stop talking about it. So that's okay. We can move on. So let me. <laughs> Um, let me let me uh, ask the next question that I've written down on my page so that I know exactly what it is important habits I just remember the duck question important habits that you would still like to develop or skills that you would still like to develop I mean I'm I'm guessing every day when you evaluate where you are you're like well we still need to still need to do this still need to do this still need to do this what do you what do you still wish you knew that you don't yet well, there's things that I know a little of that I would like to learn a lot more of. Um, for example, you know, one of the primary skills I mentioned to you was asset management and, and managing, being able to manage that asset manager better 
and better direct people. In my professional career, I was never a manager of people. I was mm-hmm. always a manager of projects, of things, of technologies, of those kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So trying to learn to convert that into um, motivating people, which uh, I'm still learning about, honestly, um, those are the things that, that I currently struggle with. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm getting better at it. And, um, but converting that into better performance with my properties is kind of the next step of that. Mm-hmm. And um, so that, that's certainly one thing. Um, and really, you know, again, even though I just talked a, a bunch about tenacity, you know, maintaining that uh, through the pandemic when, you know, the properties, the prices are through the roof, the, the properties are few and far between, uh, at, even at ridiculous prices. And so, you know, keeping the look ahead and looking forward, uh, keeping the eye on the prize um, so that, you know, when things do turn around and prices are back reasonable, I'm poised to jump ahead and continue toward my you know, end goals. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so duck questions. People, people, look, people look at somebody like you and they think that guy must be ultra disciplined. He must like have every... <laughs> He must have every, he probably gets up at four o'clock in the morning and works out and meditates and then eats a blade of grass for breakfast and then gets to work and then works in a very focused way for, if I asked your wife, would she say that was you? Um, I'm not going to ask you if you think you're disciplined. I'm going to ask you if your wife would say that you were disciplined. (laughs) Neither of us would ever say that in a billion years. I am not that disciplined. Um, Not at all. There's plenty of things that uh, escape me that, you know, if you look at my desk, you're like, what? No, no, no. There's there's plenty of things uh, in my world that are not perfectly disciplined uh, and need plenty of work. But uh, again, keeping the, you know, the focus on the things that are important and getting those things done can make up for the inefficiencies of well, I just told the world my desk is a mess, but, you know, those kind of things. So so my big takeaway, since we're out of time at this point, is anybody out there listening who was determined enough to be tenacious and willing to learn what they needed to learn could do it, even if they're just a normal guy. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your time, Mark. Look forward to seeing what you have to say specifically about how and when and where and why to buy apartments at tomorrow night's Cincinnati RIA meeting. Again, listeners, you can pop in on that from anywhere on the planet. It's on Zoom. CincinnatiRIA.com is where you would get your link. We'll be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing.